Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer Rohan Nadgarni. Rohan, this is more or less an NBA podcast when we really lock in to make it one, mm-hmm. but... Can I confess something to you right here, right now? Please. I would lo- love to. Love for you to do that. I have not watched any preseason games. I- I- I've sat through highlights. I've checked in with some stars to see how they're doing. I've perused statistical leaderboards, and I've watched every Jordan Poole minute because he's the next Michael Jordan. But I have not sat through a basketball game that doesn't count yet. I- I'm extremely excited for the season to start, but... I just can't do the preseason. I know this is a safe space. Can you can you relate to me right now? Mike, listen, welcome to my world, baby. You already know <laughs> you already know how I feel about summer league. You already know mm-hmm. how I feel about summer league. Preseason is not far removed from it. And let me tell you something. There's nothing I, I dislike more than NBA writers complaining about the preseason. You know, shout out to my guy Mike Singer. Uh, in Denver, who's complaining about the Nuggets going to overtime in a preseason game Thursday night. (laughs) And I'm like, Mike, you're enabling the existence of this by covering this game, okay? I I think all NBA writers need to just start blacking out the preseason, stop paying attention to it. The players don't care. The players don't don't play. Shout out to my guy, Jovan, uh, who covers the Lakers for the Athletic out here in L.A., but I see Jovan, you know, tweeting 80 stats after the first quarter and you know oh like Malik Monk looks great tonight and I'm like listen man none of this matters it especially doesn't matter for the good teams guess what nothing the Lakers do nothing the Lakers 
do right now will matter. Heck, what the Lakers do in the regular season might not matter. It might not matter what the Lakers do until the last four minutes of their first playoff game. So I just need everyone to cool it. I need everyone to stop enabling the existence of the preseason by continuing to take it seriously. I'm seeing writers tweet out rotations and strategic adjustments, and I'm just like, why are we doing this? Why are any of us doing this? We all know it doesn't matter. Well, I think the Lakers are... Owen six, I want to say. So obviously yes, that yeah. just portends to just right. a, a complete devastation season from them. So I, I will say that that is meaningful. Um, I mean, f- to me, like I'm, I'm just enjoying my October. I'm mm-hmm. watching horror movies. Um, I'm so, reading this novel called Reprieve, which is a horror mm-hmm. novel. It's great. I recommend it. Um, you know, what? what is your favorite horror? I know you're a horror buff, too. And I don't want to get too sidetracked, but mm-hmm. do you have a favorite horror film, a favorite horror like subgenre, Rohan? So, you know, Mike, I'm actually really, really glad that you brought this up because I am also enjoying my October. You know, the season's about to start. I took a little bit of a vacation this last week just to get ahead of the season a little bit. And I saw two movies this week. Uh, first of all, it's just really exciting to be back in the theater. I don't even mind being in there with my mask <laughs> on. It's all good. Uh, I saw No Time to Die, uh, the final film of the Daniel Craig, James Bond era. Was that like four hours long? Two hours and 43 minutes. And let me tell you something, (laughs) worth it uh, for me at least. I had a good time. I had a good time. It's not a perfect movie, but it was a lot of fun. Okay. But I also saw a French film, and it's a body horror movie uh, called Titan. Okay. So before you go any further... Do not spoil. I'm Frank Costanza right now. I okay. want to go in fresh. Okay. I, what did this? This won the best picture. The Palm Door is that what it's called? Yes, it, it, that's yeah. right. And yes. Titan was really interesting. Um, I'm already forgetting the director's name. It, it's a French woman, Julia. Um, oh God, I don't remember her last name, and I that's don't speak okay. French. But she also directed <laughs> another horror movie. Another body horror movie called Raw that came out in 2016. I've seen Raw. Raw is one of the best movies I think I've seen in the last 10 years. And that's probably my favorite horror movie, if you want to call it a horror movie. I think Raw is spectacular. I I would suggest to everyone to watch Raw knowing nothing about it. But it is going to gross you out on a deeply, deeply uncomfortable Mm -hmm. level. And I had high hopes for Titan based off Raw. Um, And based on my love for that movie, I found this one a little bit disappointing, but I think it's a really, really interesting movie and worth watching on a lot of levels. But, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think Raw is probably maybe my favorite horror movie. And uh, Mike, you got to see Titan if you haven't seen it yet. I'm sure we have some open open floor globe members who maybe have caught it or are, are as up to the the international cinema probably more so than we are. But yeah, man, I'm I'm enjoying my October too. You know, it's been a. I think it's fair to say this has been one of the more draining NBA off seasons with some of the storylines going on. So it's I think it's good for both of us to escape a little bit. It is. I'm looking forward to Halloween Kills drop today on Peacock. I'm old school, Michael Myers. <laughs> shout out to him forever. Um, never leave they... my life, Michael. <laughs> I mean, it's, they brought back like the OG cast for that series too. They're doing some good work there. 
Incredible stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you, you just kind of hit the nail on the head right there. Like, the offseason has been a little bit draining, but the actual basketball starts next week. And on today's episode, this is basically our last... Um, we're going to open up the mailbag again, of course. And it's the last time we're going to be doing that um, during the off season, which is wow. awesome. And, and and special thanks to everyone who carried this show. And I do not say that hyperbolically. You guys are clearly the stars um, of Open Floor, the Open Floor Globe. Um, all your emails that have come in, all your questions have just been so terrific and titillating. And I mean, Rohan, you text me when I send you the outline and you're just impressed. Your jaw hits the floor. With some of the questions that we I had. get excited. I get excited when you send me the outlines for the show, Mike, and it's been awesome to see all the questions. We love them. And I think it's fair to say that obviously the season's starting. We're going to have plenty to talk about, but that doesn't mean we want any less questions coming in. We absolutely want to continue to involve uh, the Open Floor Globe because it's been a ton of fun, a ton of fun answering the questions. Of course. So keep them coming in. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Let's kick things off. Uh, today with a letter from Tim, who writes, I have been a listener of the podcast since early last season, but have never written in before. So you'd think what inspired me to finally take the plunge would be something big, i.e. Kyrie deciding the net status as overwhelming title favorites was way too blasé and deciding to single-handedly blow it all up. Instead, my question is, are there any basketball coaching trends slash strategies that have become ubiquitous in today's NBA that you personally deplore? Alternately, are there any coaching moves that are considered controversial or unpopular that you guys might be inclined to defend? Thanks, and keep up the good work. If you're ever somehow bored slash in need of airtime, a fun debate my friend and I had the other day was if you were forced to pick one cuisine, and only that cuisine, to eat for the rest of your life, which would it be? Take it easy and stay safe. Uh, This was a terrific email from Tim. Tim, I know that's your first time. Please uh, don't be a stranger. If you're going to come with the fastball like that, uh, please yeah, send Tim, as many you, as possible. You smashed it, bruv. You smashed it, bruv. So the real quick, the cuisine question. Um, a classic, it, a classic. It's, it's, it's always Italian for me. I just go Italian. I'll die in eight years. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many great options. I never get sick of Italian food. My mother is Italian. Um, and I had spaghetti like seven times a week growing up. So it's always, it's Italian for me. Italian's a good one. I feel like it's too easy for me to go Indian. So I'm going to go sub genre and I'm going to go Indian Chinese food. If I had to pick one for the rest of my life, it would be Indian Chinese food. Wait, you need to, um, are you cheating or is that an actual I'm confused right now. No, 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 no. It's an actual it's an actual style of food and it's very difficult to find stateside. I got to say there are some Indian restaurants that will sell some Indian Chinese items, but it's hard to find one that's dedicated fully to Indian Chinese, but that's actually genuinely my favorite so kind of food. What, what is your favorite Indian Chinese dish? It's got to be Gobi Manchurian. It's a cauliflower dish. You got you either get it dry or with gravy. That's how you know you're at a real Indian Chinese spot if they offer it to you dry or with gravy. Um, yeah, Gobi Manchurian's up there. I mean, the fried Incredible. rice. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Um, um, so let's talk. Let's talk basketball. How yeah, about? please, please. We're like ten minutes into this podcast, yeah. and I don't think we've really mentioned anything. Um, 
my answer to this question is I first of all I thought that this question was great. I thought it was also mm-hmm. very difficult to 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 answer because the NBA is um so ubiquitous from a stylistic mm-hmm. perspective as it is. And I, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that as a criticism, but it's like it's a pick and roll league. It's a yeah. transition league. Um I think because of that, coaches are as interchangeable as ever, or coaches are valued for, you know, how they relate to young stars and um, just how they are able to motivate their teams, which I, I guess coaches have always had to do that. But right now, like, I'm not saying that Monty Williams isn't a genius tactician because I think he's really bright, but a lot of his value is just like, motivating DeAndre Ayton during mm-hmm. timeouts. You know what I mean? And so I think that it's it's a it's a little tricky to kind of uh to answer this one, but I will say I wish every coach treated most nights, not all, because it's impossible, but most nights like Ty Lu treats the playoffs, where you change your rotation, you change your starting lineup game to game based on matchups. You tinker and tinker and tinker and you you mix and match coverages. Um, obviously, again, you can't do this so much because players are human beings and they can't process information and adapt that quickly. And they're really, um, uh, they love their routines. Yeah, but I wish difficult. we had more. Yeah, I wish we had more fluctuation than we do. That would be my one thing that kind of bugs me a little bit about the regular season. Yeah, Mike, I think you hit the nail on the head. The real, I think, it's the ubiquity of the game. It's the fact that the last four minutes of a playoff game look the same for almost every team and that you're putting the ball in your best player's hands. You're asking them to run a pick and roll. They're either getting a switch or you're basically seeing if the defense can hold up, you know, in their chosen defensive style. And now it's also most defenses are going to switch at the end of games, et cetera. So I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it, ha- it almost has to come from the ubiquity because of how similar teams are being run. If So I just looked at it as like, what's my like kind of pet peeve with the game right now? Uh-huh. And I think my biggest pet peeve, the one thing I would change, and this goes along the lines of what you said, and it's coaches not play, not starting their best five-man lineup. Uh, and I feel like so often we always talk about what lineups we're excited to see teams play in the playoffs and what we think their closing lineup is going to be and what we so, think their best five guys are. And it's almost never the five players to start. So, and you, even the, the Warriors would do this in 2016 when they started Andrew Bogut, right, when they had something called the death lineup. Or we saw the right. Lakers do this uh, every time they don't start Anthony Davis at center. So that, to me, has always been my pet peeve when coaches just don't play their best five guys to start the game. I was going to say the number one, all those lineups that you said are probably more famous or more well documented than this one but the Miami Heat two years ago uh not starting Bam Adebayo at the five until the bubble started and then they go to the finals I don't think that that was a coincidence uh, shout <laughs> yeah. out to Myers Leonard who's out of the NBA right now for a lot of reasons um so so yeah no I agree with you and that's actually something that I wrote down here too as kind of a an honorable mention response just like you know we know how where the league is we know that the league is positionless just like, you know, start small. It's okay. I understand the value of rebounding. I understand the value of rim protection. Um, and not a lot of teams, not every team, I should say, can go small all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that's where you go when, like, it's money time, 
why not start that way sometimes? It's just like... funny. It's just funny. It's like coaches start every game with some kind of weird staring contest. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, okay, like enough of this farce. Like we're going to play the good players now. And then they take their center off the floor and it just is silly. It's silly. I've never, and that's, that's why I think maybe one of my favorite playoff series of all time that uh, doesn't get talked about as much as it should, just because it wasn't a final series. Uh, but the Chris Paul Rockets, the first time they went up against the KD Warriors, and by the end of that series, both teams were starting small and playing all their guys almost 45 minutes a night. And to me, that was like the purest distillation of playoff basketball. It was two teams playing five and a half, six-man rotations, and everyone's playing the, almost the entire game. That was awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a great call. That's a great series. Um, man, I still get a little upset. I was so yeah. high on the Rockets that season. Bummer. But, you know, better team won. Yeah. Um, we have an email now from Elliot. Oh, wait, wait. Actually, can I, can oh. I, before we, I wanted to hop in on the other end of Tim's question there, actually. Oh, sure. Yeah, my bad. Which was, no, 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 that's okay. Which was a coaching trend that I disagree with. And let me offer the caveat first that I completely understand why from an efficiency perspective coaches don't do this but I would just like to throw out that it it makes me genuinely sad how much league has gotten away from players playing in the post um, I love Joel Embiid I love you know I grew up in an era where Alonzo Mourning was on the heat uh, Shaquille O'Neal was dominating the finals um, and it was like being a center was cool. Being a center was cool. I loved it when guys would get the ball thrown at them in the post. I love, like, I, you know, Dwayne Wade, famously early in his career, was one of the guards who would operate out of the post. And I love when guys, like, have a post game, and it's just sad that you don't get to see it anymore. It did it did reach a point of annoyance for me when Sean Livingston would come to the game for the Warriors and just start posting up smaller guards. And I was like, okay, I've seen enough of this. We get it. You'd Hit think somebody single eight footer. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I just, I miss post play and uh, it, it's fewer and further between the guys who get the ball thrown on them and the block. Post play is, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's, you know, that's obviously an ongoing trend here in the league. Um, the Nets basically posted the ball up. The Nets, the most efficient offense in NBA history last season, had like six post-ups all year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, uh, you know, sometimes I think about, um, and I've been thinking about doing a story on this, but it's just I don't know how to kind of worm my way in. But like post-defense in the playoffs when you're switching – is so important because especially for the guys who get like hunted um, and like, how do you teach post defense and like, do you teach post defense? Do teams work on that? It's just something I've been, I'm, I think about sometimes when I, especially in the playoffs, but you don't really see that too much during the regular season. I mean, something I think about a lot and I think Zion's bringing this back, but just kind of like the death of the power forward. Um, you know, the guys who, again, growing up, Antonio McDice, he'd be a center now. Udonis Haslam would be a these center players now. Are, these are Zach these are Randolph would have been a center. Like, yeah, but I loved those kinds of players growing up. I mean, even Kevin Garnett was a power forward for most of his career, which is crazy to think about. Um, and yeah, I just i I understand that the offenses are so much better now. 
but I, I do miss that era of basketball to a degree um, and just seeing every, you know, good offense basically get rid of their post game makes me sad at least, even if it's not as efficient. We could talk about this forever. I have a theory that one of the reasons why that type of player has gotten kind of pushed out of the league is the league doesn't need or there's really no value in like a strong man, like a tough guy, like a yeah. Charles Oakley. Yeah, like a Reggie Evans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just no need for it because like how the game is officiated and mm-hmm. um, what you get fined for now versus maybe what you got fined for 15, 20 years ago. And um, it's obviously just a more skill-based game now, which is great. That's more aesthetically pleasing. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but yeah, no, there's, there are a, lo- a few dinosaurs from back in the day who I do miss as well. Um, so that's that's a great point. Okay, so yeah, I'm, just, pro- I'm, I'm just emailing the league office all <laughs> kinds of things, you know. You guys are anti-basketball. Uh, the game's gone soft. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Send those emails in to... <laughs> From my work address. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam Silver definitely wants to hear that. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, so Elliot is probably just sitting there, um, like, he's probably fast-forwarded through the past oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 30 seconds of conversation once I said his name. But Elliot writes in, um, is there precedent in the NBA for a move as widely criticized as the Lakers trading for Westbrook and then having it actually work? Or given the level of criticism, we should all know it will fail. Um, Elliot then cites... Uh, Chris Paul going to Houston a few years ago, which uh, you just brought up, Rohan, um, and a lot of people 
wondering if there was enough. You know, there's only one ball. Was a, I always thought that was a really stupid way to look at it, but that was uh, a thing that a lot of people said before it happened. And lo and behold, they should have won the title that year if Chris Ball did not get hurt. So obviously, that that was a success for them. Um, this was a fun one, and the first. I also had like a difficult time kind of coming up with a bunch, but the first example that I had was also Chris Paul, but Chris Paul to Phoenix um, coming from OKC. I recall when that trade went down, people were like, so Chris Paul's contract is going to take up Phoenix's cap space for the next two years. I'm just like, what are these what are you people talking about? <laughs> so it's like, like, have you, are you watching this man play basketball? Have you watched the Phoenix Suns for the past 10 years? Who are they signing that like would be better of a value than Chris mm. Paul right now? I understand the timelines and everything and no one, even me expected them to go to the finals or anything like that. But I do recall thinking like a lot of these pieces fit now, everything comes into place they were moving on from Ricky Rubio, who had a lot of success, but you know, you, Ricky Rubio's Achilles heel is you can't really play him off ball a ton, and that was trouble with Devin Booker and Aiton and everybody. And Chris Paul is one of the better spot up three point shooters we've seen, so that just that never made a ton of sense to me at all. I was I was very high on that move when it happened, and it worked out swimmingly for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, first of all, I got to say, Elliot, that's a great call about Chris Paul going to Houston because. Yeah, you know, Mike, maybe you were more confident, but I do think there was something to say about the fact that they're both guys who play the best when they have the ball in their hands. And, and you know, at that point, we weren't sure. You know, Chris Paul put up isolation numbers his time in Houston that I don't think as great of a player as he was. I don't think necessarily people expect him to be that great of an isolation scorer and player, et cetera. And how's it going to work when you have two guys who – are at their best when they're directing an offense and now they have to play off of each other. And we did see, you know, finally why that partnership ended, right? Like Harden didn't necessarily love or commit to playing off ball. It is funny that you said how that trade was worth it because it's, it's one of the real fascinating ripple effects in the NBA right now is that Chris Paul trade and what's happened since because of how desperate Houston was to move off his contract Mm -hmm. and of the hilarity that's ensued since then. But I mean, this was a this was a tough question. I I, I don't really. I to be honest, like I, I was racking my brain and I I couldn't really come up with any answers, especially in terms of one that worked. You know what I mean? Like you bring up Chris Paul, and even that, it's like no one was really talking about it from a basketball standpoint, right? I think everyone agreed it was kind of a a home run, if anything, especially coming off uh, his OKC season in which he was spectacular. So I I don't know. I. I to be honest, because it's like I can't think of a contender that made such a drastic move. I mean, the the Heat in 05 did that massive, you know, three-team trade um, that got them Antoine Walker, James Posey. Uh, but then Jason they won the title. Thames. They won the title. Yeah. And so that one, you know, kind of worked, but I don't, I don't remember it necessarily being crazy criticized. And yeah, like all the ones I can think of worked, right? Like the Lakers acquired Pau Gasol. I, people, I think, had some maybe when the Celtics got together in 2008, people said, how are they going? how is this going to work? Are they going to come together quickly enough? Not me. Um, yeah. Or, 
um, are you know. By the way, before you before, before you go on, I just have a bone to pick with our editor uh, Mark Bechtel, who put together Mark the top, Bechtel. Yes, who put together the top seventy-five NBA SI uh, covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an article that was wonderful and everyone should go check out because SIMBA covers are my personal pastime. But the NBA preview issue for that year, the 2007-2008 season, had KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen on it. And I had it framed in my college dorm room. And that is top 10 for me. And that didn't make the top 75. And so I just, I'm, I'm still upset about that one because it's, it's a gorgeous cover and really aged well, I gotta say. Yeah, so did the Dwayne Wade exit interview cover I did. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, that one was missing from the list, too. So No Trey and Luca looking up through a net either, which is my first cover story. Oh, yeah. I was very just Bechtel. Come on, step it up, my guy. Absolutely. Yeah, I have a bone to pick, to say the least. Um, <laughs> fix was in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can think of more so moves that were like criticized but ended up working i guess instead of ones that i don't know this question just just threw me for a loop can i can i throw one at you that we don't know if it will work yet but it has been heavily criticized during the off season that i think will work sure demar derozan to the chicago bulls i think it's going to be great and a lot of hate on that one for a variety of reasons. I think we're people are see. mostly just upset with how much money DeRozan got. But that's going to be an interesting... Stay out of DeMar be... DeRozan's pockets. My goodness. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. <laughs> I always go back and forth on this because I will say, just for what it's worth, it is interesting to think about. I never have a problem with players getting paid. At the same time, like it is a capped league and the, that kind of thing does come into play in some situations, etc. But I don't know. It's a it's a weird evolving conversation. But the DeMar one's gonna be interesting. You and Herring are high on the Bulls. You and Herring are high on the We're Bulls. We're all in. We're all in. <laughs> like they you better are, make the like be at least the seven. They're gonna they're gonna, gonna, gonna show you guys in that little like graphic at the United Center with the Bulls. Like you guys are running with the Bulls charging into the team bus <laughs> or whatever. They gotta photoshop you and Herring into that. Um, I, I'd be up for that. No one has contacted me yet, but I look forward to my photo shoot. Just um, running through the streets of Chicago. Yeah. Read, so that, the, that was, read the question to me again. Read the question to me again. You want me to read the question to I you do, again? I do. Okay. Is there? This comes from Elliot. I'm sorry, Elliot. We've said your name so many times. Is there precedent in the NBA for a move as widely criticized as the Lakers trading for Westbrook and then having that actually work? Or given the level of criticism, we should all know it. Well, will okay, so this is the one that came to mind because it's a reverse. It's the move that everyone loved but didn't work out. Yes. And that's the Lakers acquiring Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. <laughs> that's that was like cover. that was the team that came to mind because that Speaking one. Speaking of SI covers, yeah, yes. That one was hilarious because it was like, well, this is going to be unfair. Nash and Dwight are going to run pick and rolls and it's going to be unstoppable except Dwight Howard went full Dwight. And that team never got off the ground. But that's the one that came to mind because it was a reverse of the situation. Also, another kind of reverse, at least for me, was when Al Horford went to the Sixers. I, I thought- okay, they were they were talking about that um, on this very podcast, I believe, uh, the old regime. And 
I, from the moment, thought that was, a, and I felt so vindicated because I thought that was an awful move. And I told Ben and Sharp uh, as much, who I think like liked the Sixers making the conference finals that year. I mean, obviously Simmons got hurt uh, for the playoffs, but I hated that move, and I never understood why people liked it. I mean, I yeah, that it. one, that one never made. You like that move? I like that move. Um, I mean, look, I did not expect uh, Al Horf. Like, I got why they did it. And, like, all you really needed there was you needed Joel Embiid insurance, right? And Al, Al Horford is a big who can move on the perimeter, who can pass, and who can shoot threes. So there was, like, he could play on paper. He could play with Joel Embiid. At the same time, and then he could be the backup five that was, slash that the was starting five when an expensive insurance policy they picked up there. Sh- sure, and yeah. now the Celtics have Al, Big Al, back, and everything's going to be wonderful. Um, title eighteen coming up. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, so uh, we have an email from from Liam, who is like on a Joe DiMaggio esque streak <laughs> right now with the emails, just killing it. Uh, Liam writes, "Before I get into my question, I wanted to tell you guys that I am trying to make my own top 100 NBA players list, and I have found that it is extremely difficult." You guys deserve a lot of respect for making these lists because it defi- it is definitely not an easy thing to do. Uh, shout out to you, Liam, for trying. We want to see your top 100 yeah, list, Yeah, Liam, the way. please send it in, buddy. We, Forward it on, for, man. First of all, Liam, thank you for sh- giving us validation and respect that uh, 
even many of our coworkers have not given us uh, for putting together the top 100. Thank you for not shouting at us, for being understanding. Uh, we really appreciate it. Good luck on your list, man. Yeah, we'd love to see it. Please send it in. Definitely. Uh, so Liam's question. Every year in the NBA, there is usually a team that surprises everyone and has a lot more success than they were predicted to have. Last year, this could have been said for the Suns, Hawks, and Knicks. With the season closing in, I've been wondering which team do you guys think can surprise everyone and make a big jump in the standings or have a lot of playoff success? So I have a lot of candidates here, but <laughs> I'm going to go with my... I have my I have like a hot 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 take candidate. Oh, and okay. I'm gonna I want to save it. I want you to tell me who you've got kind of cooking here, and then I'm gonna drop a bomb on you. So it's interesting because I think Liam's right in the sense that there's a team that I think always makes it not always, but often makes it further than we expected. But that's in large part due to a weird bracket shaking out, or you know a poorly timed injury in the playoffs, et cetera. That's usually, I think, when teams make kind of that real unexpected run. And that's kind of, I think, unfair to maybe tease out um, moving forward and being like, oh, I think this team's going to make it because this guy's going to get hurt Mm -hmm. in the playoffs, et cetera. And another issue I have right now is I think the top halves of each conference – are so bunched together to a degree. Like Brooklyn is obviously kind of well now that Kyrie's gone, they're not really in their own category. I think the Bucks are right there with them. Disagree, that, but you can catch my my opinions on SI.com. I wrote about that earlier this week. Continue, Rohan. Hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You think the Bucks are not in the same tier as the Nets without Kyrie? No, I don't. Silence. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Nets are still ahead. Step ahead, baby. Nets got I better think the in the Nets, half season. I think the Nets would be favored, but I think that would be a close series. I will say if Giannis, I said at the top that I have not been watching the the uh, the preseason. Well, you've seen the I, clips of the jump shot. You've seen the clips of the jump oh, shot. Oh, how everyone has. Yeah. yeah. And if, <laughs> yeah. if that's for real, then what are we even talking about? Like he's just it's it's game over for everybody. But I I have doubts because it's the preseason. Right. But we will see. We will see. Um. You know, the problem is it's like I could say Boston could make the conference finals, but I don't think that that's a hot take in the slightest. Like, I don't think that would be a surprise. So I, I this was another question I struggled with. I, I will say the Mavs are the team that made the most sense to me only because they've not been out of the first round. They have a talent in Luka. The West is in a weird spot because of the Nuggets and Clippers have their injury issues. Uh, so that was, to me, I think the team that if they made the conference finals, some people would be like, whoa, they're already here. But I think things could break right for them. So that was kind of my one that I thought fit the criteria for this question. I'm I'm, I'm honestly just disappointed in you, I got to say. <laughs> really? The Ma- Come on, man. The Mavs. Give me give me a heavy hitter. Give me give me. No one thought the Knicks were going to be good. Um. I thought the Hawks were going to be okay because they signed Bogey, they signed Gallo, etc. I was not mm-hmm. expecting an Eastern Conference Finals run. Um, and we already kind of covered the Suns, which were a surprise. But, you know, I guess you could see it coming because they added CP a little bit, uh, particularly during the regular season. I mean, I was high on the Suns. I 
I know. Yeah, I know you yeah. were. So, so the Mavs are your team for this question. The team that's going to shock the world. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be the Bulls. It's not going to be the Wolves. It's it's not going to be the Cavs. Uh, Wait, can we? Can we? Can you circle back for two seconds? This was not my team, but the Timberwolves. Um, they're an honor- honorable mention for me here. Why? Course, why do you have an honorable mention for literally every single email we get on this show? Because you never know when my I, I never know when my co-host is going to drop the Mavs, and then I gotta carry the show on my back. And you don't think it would be a big deal if the Mavs? You don't think it would be a big deal if the Mavs made the conference finals? A big deal? No, they have Luca. It's just yeah, but right now they're right now they're a worse team than they're they're probably the fifth or sixth best team in the conference. Okay, but. And then like, making the conference finals wouldn't isn't a big deal in that scenario. I I've, I saw what Luca did against the Clippers, and that was without KP. So I see the path, man. I see the path. It's just not. That well, he also, but you also saw what happened when KP played, right? KP is going to be better this year. <laughs> yes, he's going to be better. <laughs> okay, dude. Um, okay, so the but, okay, so the Wolves. That's just like. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the Wolves for two seconds. Um, I can see the Wolves making the playoffs. I can. Because they have... Okay, the case is basically Carl Towns mm-hmm. makes the an all-NBA team, looks like a, you know, top 10 talent, entirely possible. Uh, Anthony Edwards takes a leap, played in every game last season as a rookie without a training camp, looked pretty good, looks okay in preseason... Uh, just an absolute freak uh, with a high ceiling. I love the Patrick Beverly signing. I like Torian Prince there. I love Jaden McDaniels. I like the would fact you, that would, they have Chris Finch as their head coach now, did, and they're doing a lot Patrick of fun Beverly stuff on offense. Qualify as a steal, or is is he not quite the elite level? <laughs> well, they traded for him. Okay, so okay. Little, so disqualify. It's a different apples and oranges. Yeah, exactly. I see. But are I mean, you? Are you I mean, can I sell no. you a little bit on the on the wolves? You can't because, like, okay, they make the plan or the first round of the playoffs. Like, whoop de doo. Okay, congrats. That that would be a that would be a stunner. I think if they actually <laughs> if, make the if playoffs. it's a stunner that your team makes the playoffs, like, what are, then yeah. what are we doing here? Then then like, cool, man, cool. <laughs> so okay, then you're not gonna like my actual the bomb I'm about to drop. Oh God, this is going to be absurd. I would just like to point out real quick before uh-huh. you drop this quote unquote bomb on me. Yes. That we had a meeting for a, a perhaps special thing in the works that may or may not be happening soon. We had a meeting about it this week <laughs> and everyone yeah. in the meeting got mad at me because they claimed I was going to have takes that pissed everyone off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a claim not based in reality. I'm not here to make people angry when in fact you actually come in with the fire. So let's see what you got. What's your, what's this bomb you're about to drop? My, my fire is backed in just years of experience and knowledge covering the NBA. I want to say that real quick as the caveat, my team that I think could be a shocker this year. Okay, Along okay with- but but before you name the team, tell me what you think they're going to do. Make the playoffs. That's it? The Knicks were 
cited in this question, correct? Right. The Knicks were the four seed. They made the playoffs. They lost in five games. The Knicks were an absolute like revelation last year. Do you disagree okay. with that? Okay. All right. Now let's hear it. Let's hear this bomb. So my team along those lines you this just, year. You put a lot of masala on it, so you got to deliver. That's all I'm going to say. The Sacramento Kings. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now we're now we're cooking with gas. Yeah. So. I don't know if you follow the Sacramento Kings on Instagram. Their whole, Kings, their whole. The I, I just are, want to shout out their social media. They're it's, posting, baby. They are. Posting. It's LeBron. Yeah, it's LeBron yeah, yeah. of NBA social yes, media. Yes, agreed. Shout out to Kings social media. Yes. Um. So, their obsession with uh, Davion Mitchell, incoming rookie, it's just like in his work ethic. I, 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 I just feel like he's going to be, uh, like. Th- the th- he's going to have like the third year of Dwayne Wade's career as a rookie. Like that's just what I'm feeling right now with Davion Mitchell. Um, Keep Dwayne Wade's name out of your mouth, but continue. There's some rookie of the year potential here. I feel like they have, when you look at their roster, they have eight solid to very good NBA players. And that does not include Marvin Bagley, who I personally have not 100% given up on yet i love I marvin this... bagley can i tell you about my um affinity for marvin bagley very quickly i i <laughs> had him on a on a user created nba 2k draft class okay um and i drafted him to my team in nba 2k and he was my small ball five and uh mm-hmm. he was just an awesome pick and roll partner for paul george and yeah i love i love marvin bagley he's dope man i also think he has what it takes to succeed in the nba he just needs to find the right role so, yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't know what that role is. I think mm-hmm. he's obviously hyper talented. There's a reason. I, I, I don't use think some any... culture. Sure, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that uh, you know there was some lineup data with him last year where he was when he was with like other starters mm-hmm. that the Kings were pretty good. Now the I Kings mean, his, also had... his rookie year he was playing really well with uh, Fox and Heald when he was healthy. So. He they, just get hurt. He gets hurt yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. So Marvin Bagley is not the reason why I'm 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 high on them. Like I think that Fox is a star. Fox started to hit like step back threes last season, and you know if like I, it, it gets a little tricky here when you try to like say that he's as good as Donovan Mitchell or as good as Jamal Murray or because like. Honestly, if you switch the situation, I don't know if he would be producing yeah. at that level, but I think he could. Um, so I, I just have always been a fan of him and kind of his maturation as a franchise-level point guard. Uh, Buddy Heald, obviously, they still have, who's one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history. You have Harrison Barnes, who they did not trade last year at the deadline, who is a very... Um, just like a lot of solid names. Incredibly steady guys. Roster. I mean, Richmond Holmes. I mean, we talked about this when we were doing our top 100 pods, how many Kings guys we wanted to sneak in there. I yeah. agree. They have a really talented team. I love De'Aaron Fox. I love how fast he is. Um, he is fast. Uh, just he is someone who stands out um, in, in a ubiquitous NBA. Uh, just the way he plays is a lot of fun. That's actually a really good pick, Michael. I thought about the Kings. But, wow, thank you. I'm yeah, I, honored. No, I did. I just was so caught up in like the Hawks making that conference finals run 
that I was trying to think of something along those lines. But I do think the Kings making it into the playoffs would be awesome. Them winning a game or two in the first round would be huge for them. I'd love to see it happen. I mean, they have the longest playoff drought in the league right now. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox is someone who I'd love to see in a playoff series. I think he would be a lot of fun. So it's tough because I think a lot of people are not sure if Luke Walton is the right coach for that team. Um, it seems He's probably like- the only coach on the hot seat coming into the season. I'm yeah. just saying that off the top of my head that I can think of. <laughs> until until Mike Budenholzer plays Giannis 35 minutes in a round one game. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I, I, uh, you know, the Kings, you mentioned they didn't trade away Bagley, Heald, or Barnes. It also worries me a little bit how often they're putting those talented players in trade proposals or rumors, et cetera, when it feels like they should have a more, their team is less talented than the sum of its parts somehow because they have really talented parts, but they haven't found a way to, you know, blend them all together yet. Right. I mean, there were stretches last year. We haven't even named or mentioned Halliburton, who, mm-hmm. yeah. if he goes up a level or just improves marginally and is able to stay healthy also, like, this is just a really, like, dynamic basketball team. Like, smart. They have a lot of really good passers. Um, I just, I like them. They can play a lot of different ways. Yeah. I actually like the Tristan Thompson edition just for, like, depth purposes. Yeah. And if you just play him as, play Tristan as a backup center who, you know, goes 15 minutes a night, 18 mm-hmm. minutes a night. Yeah. Great. That's wonderful for him. That's yeah. perfect. When and you're not starting him next to a second big, he can become a lot more effective. Yes, I have PTSD from yeah. what you just described. Uh, okay, so do you have... Are there any teams that you can see um, just maybe not even going on a Hawks-esque run, but just being like, I don't know, like just looking at consensus, I guess, and just being better than whatever it is that, you know, maybe Vegas is over underlines or something like that, where it's just, oh my God, this team is like the Raptors or... I do think I am a fan of the Raptors, and I think it's going to come down a lot to we had uh, uh, Chris Mannix spoke to anonymous scouts around the league who gave their takes on a bunch of teams, and I highly recommend everyone go read that piece because it's hilarious. I believe one scout called Colin Sexton an asshole. Um, I did tweet that, yes. Yeah, hilarious. Really uh, interesting thing to say about somebody. (laughs) Really uncomfortable. Yeah. but, you know, they mentioned for the Raptors it's going to come down to Siakam and how different of a player he's been practically since the bubble started. But, you know, I will say a lot of people, this is a transitional year for the Raptors, et cetera. Like, I think they have a really good team. Nick Nurse is an outstanding coach and one of, the, I think, the best kind of in-game adjusters, game-to-game adjusters in the playoffs. Um, and, like, they're going to get a huge boost playing in Toronto this year. I mean, they played – only road games last year coming out out of the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they like, I love Fred Van Vliet. I love Siakam. Obviously I think Dragic is going to be useful if they keep him there. Uh, Precious Achua, I think already looks better. I think the Olympics experience helped him a lot. Like, I think they have a lot of talented guys. And I don't mean to just, you haven't even players. named my favorite player on the team. <laughs> Who's that? OG baby. OG. I was explaining to a friend the other day um, 
I was like, have you seen the video of Serge Ibaka and OG <laughs> going uh, shopping? And he was like, no. And I was like, it's one of the greatest NBA texts we have. It's just Serge Ibaka that, saying OG yeah. over and over again. The fact that that was not um, nominated for an Academy Award yes, is agreed. just, uh, it boggles the mind yeah, and it's it frankly does. offensive. And like so... Yeah, I'm big on the Raptors. OG, I mean, Gary Trent, I, I think is going to be really useful there. I think they're going to play great defense, and I think they can scrape by offensively. Certainly, if Siakam, I think, can recapture the form he had before the bubble, kind of, you know, maybe clear up whatever issues he's had with the organization there last year. The fact that they're actually going to get to play in Toronto again, I think that I do wonder if we're sleeping on them a little bit. No one kind of talks about them as a team that could be in the top six, top five of the East, but it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, I kind of am a little curious as to why people are so down on them, especially yeah. when you look at the like trade potential. Mm-hmm. Like they're a team that could and has proven willing to make a super splashy deal and they have a lot of really attractive pieces, a lot of attractive contracts. Uh so they're just a team to kind of keep your eye on. Um and they could go the other way. They could trade Siakam for picks or for young prospects or whatever mm. if things aren't going well. And I'm ready so to just... talk myself into the Raptors finishing higher than the Heat. I'm very close to talking myself into that. You know, I think that that is possible. I mean, the the one of the great you you kind of cited the uh, the scouts anonymous scouts takes piece. One of the funniest things that I read in that was uh, about the Heat and how much better is Kyle Lowry really than Goran Dragic. And that's like one of those takes that's like, you, you first you see it and then and you think it is just so galaxy-brained. And then you like take a step back and you're like, this actually might there might be some like validity to this. Like if Kyle, Kyle is like old and I love that move and I'm not saying anything, I'm not going to say anything bad about it, but like if he gets hurt and he's just hurt all year long, I mean, the guy takes like 3,500 charges a season. If he has like a back problem or something, I don't know. It's just, that's an interesting. I mean, I, I listen, I, let me put it this way. If there was a universe in which they had Lowry and Dragic, I like their off season a lot more. Um, and to me, it's less about how great Kyle Lowry is and more about, I think, people glossing over how important Dragic was to their, you know, their formula for success and how much of it was predicated on him playing his best. Now, you mentioned Lowry's injury history. I do think Dragic has had his own, you know, aging concerns the last couple of seasons. Sure. I think he was great in the bubble when they weren't traveling and they had the days off, et cetera, than last year. Um, he was in and well, out of the, the lineup, finals. and yes, right. And um, you know, the Heat obviously win that finals. Uh, Dragic and Bam are healthy, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting conversation because I think the Heat's depth is not good. It's not good. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Max Struess, Casey Opala, Gabe Vincent. Um, Markeith Morris and Dwayne Dedman, like it's going to be fascinating what happens if they have even one injury. I mean, yeah, I, their depth scares me a lot, to say the least. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. So for my next question, next email that I'm going to read, I want to – there's one I have in our outline, Rohan, that I'm going to skip over actually because uh, it's it's kind of a doozy and we could spend a lot of time on mm-hmm. it. And so – and it's also kind of an evergreen thought exercise. So we're going to we're gonna couch that one. We're gonna, okay. I'm is, gonna, it, uh, is it the one with the lineups? I don't want to give it, it away. It, it, it okay. is the one with the but, lineups. But yes. shout out to that question. It's a it's really a good question. question. Do we want to? Who sent it in? Who sent it in? Uh, it was sent in by Jonathan. So shout out to you, Jonathan. Jonathan We're going to get back to this question. We'll come back to that sure. one at some point. It was a very, very good question. Something that I literally was thinking about as my head hit the pillow last night and thinking about <laughs> it again when I woke up this morning. That's how good of a question that one was, Jonathan. So I actually wanted to hit this one from Liam, who again is, you know, wow, back to I back. Even, I, I don't even know what to say about. He's on it. his champion God flow right now. Liam right now is LeBron in 2013, holding the Finals MVP trophy and the Larry O'Brien trophy, one in each hand, just looking at the camera like cigar in his yeah, mouth. Just yep. Liam, shout out to you. Yeah. So this one is, it's just a fun little thought exercise that I kind of want to debate. And I did a lot of research for it. So selfish me as the host, that's why we're we're, we're going in. Um, So Liam writes, looking at every general manager in the league, who do you think is the best drafter? I think this is a very debatable subject since so many GMs have drafted some great players over the years. So this is just obviously a very... um, subjective one because like nobody's record is perfect and especially if you've been in the chair for a very long time you're gonna have some whiffs 
But I thought that this was kind of like obvious. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see who your answer is on this one, Rohan. And I think we might actually have the same one. I'm anticipating actually having the same one, but no pressure. So why don't you tell me who, who you picked for this? So there's three that came to mind, okay? Okay. In no particular order? There's one that I think is my favorite, and then there's two who I think are close by that people are going to laugh at me for grouping together. Give me the two first. So I think think the Heat and Celtics are both really solid drafters. Now, the Celtics get criticized because – you know, they had this big pick strategy that, that blew up in their face to an extent. And some of their first round picks have not, I think, fully splashed it in the NBA. I mean, I think people have high hopes for guys like Neesmith and Langford. And having said that, they get high marks just for drafting Tatum and Brown the years that they did. Those were franchise altering moves. And I think they drafted two cornerstones of what could easily be a title team one day and pick two players at it when teams were not prepared to pick those two players where they did. And that to me, I think is a, a, a huge kind of feather in the cap for that organization. Um, the heat, I think to a similar extent, picking up Bam at a bio where they did um, Tyler hero as well. And I know that the hero discourse like swings wildly from you know, the Heat want him to be Devin Booker to this guy's a bust to now Hero's getting uh, killed a little bit this week for saying he wants to be in the conversation with Trey Young, et cetera. But, I mean, I, another problem is it's, you look at it just drafting, but, like, teams who were able to bring in undrafted guys or, to me, like, that's all under one umbrella, you know, scouting, finding those guys. I mean, the Heat, I mean, they didn't draft him, but bringing in Duncan Robinson, um you know, guys like that to an extent, they do a really good job of, of finding those players. They have but great think, player development, which yes. makes their drafting look very good. Exactly. But to me, the number one uh, with a bullet, it's got to be the Denver Nuggets um, and, and Tim Connolly. Because that's why that's why yeah. you're the co-host of this show, <laughs> Rohan. I mean, you know to, get, to get Murray, MPJ and Jokic, uh, none of whom were top picks. None of whom were obvious selections. I mean, even Gary Harris, when they picked Gary Harris, was outstanding. And we want to go back to player development. Um, they brought along, they brought along, you know, Monte Morris, PJ Dozier. I think has been an interesting guy for them when healthy and actually getting minutes. So they're drafting in player development. Um, I it's easy to say why don't more small market teams try to operate like the Nuggets? I think Tim Connolly would admit to you. He's admitted to me that they got lucky when they picked Jokic where they did, but. I mean, to sign three guys of their caliber and all of them deservingly getting max contracts in Porter Jr., Murray, and Jokic, uh, to me, they're the runaway winners. So Tim Connolly was my number one as well. And my other two that I had, I didn't want to pick Danny Ainge because uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I uh, you kind of laid out, uh, and you, it was very can... big of you to lay out the argument that I would have made. I mean, yeah, you. I mean, that one is is an interesting one because I I do think the people who would argue against have an interesting argument, but at the end of the there's day, there's been some whiffs. There's been yeah, some whiffs. But, but at the end of the day, to hit on Tatum the year they hit on Tatum when everyone was talking about Fultz and Lonzo, as well as Jalen Brown when they picked him out of Cal, I think most people hadn't heard of him. So, um, I mean, those are massive. The, and I think that's what the what's funny about drafting is like. 
the whiffs can set you back, but um, finding a Tatum makes makes them worth it, right? They would be in the wilderness if they drafted Markel Fultz. Yeah, like they would be. I don't even know where they would be right now. It would Jalen Brown would be their franchise guy, and yeah. they'd probably be trying to trade him. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. I honestly don't even know where they would be. Um. So yeah, and then I had I did have the Heat here because you kind of already laid out that argument well. Uh, Travis Schlank is another GM who mm. has you know made some just I mean forget about like I guess like the trade trade is everything Luca Trey and taking Cam Reddish with that pick trading up for DeAndre Hunter who looks like he's going to be really good but then like I, I, I give credit yeah I give credit f- to someone who drafts John Collins like that's those are the picks where it's yes. like okay you you really did a great job here because I think anybody could have told you that Trey Young was going to be awesome, and obviously Luca is going to be awesome. But you could have you could have messed up. You could have been the Kings. You could have done mm-hmm. a lot of different things in that draft. But okay, I want to really go over Tim Connolly's draft record here because it is it has extreme highs, and then it has like just what is happening oh, when well, you just the, when you when you look back at it. There's the Trey Lyles fiasco. Yes, we're going to get to that in two seconds. Yeah. So, obviously, his first move, his first pick that he ever had was Rudy Gobert. And he trades Rudy Gobert uh, to the Utah Jazz for for cash, which is just uh, anyone who follows the NBA is familiar with that one, which was tough. Uh, You mentioned then he picks in the next year, 2014 draft, uh, takes Jokic 41st overall. Trades Doug McDermott to Chicago for Yusuf Nurkic and uh, Gary Harris, which is just a great deal, kind of in the moment. Mm-hmm. 2015, he takes Emmanuel Moutier. I should say the, the Nuggets because you know it's a group decision and it's a whole front office deal. But they take um, Emmanuel Moutier when Devin Booker was on the board. And you can do this for a lot of teams. A lot of pe- teams missed on Devin Booker. But then in 2016, you get Jamal Murray seventh when, you know, I, I kind of like you want to give credit to that. And I, I, I do give credit, but some of it is just like the Kings taking or whoever took like Buddy Heald mm-hmm. ahead and some of the other players who were picked ahead just are out of the league right now. Um but they got Jamal Murray. They took Juancho Hernan Gomez, 15th. He's now a Celtic. Great. Uh, Malik Beasley, 19th, who is on a big contract in Minnesota. So all those guys are still in yeah. the league. That just tells you kind and of And, like, your yeah, Juancho's a good player for them talent. when he was healthy. Same for Malik Beasley, yeah. So that brings us to 2017. You get Monte Morris with the 51st pick, which is a dynamite. That's a, just a dynamite mm. selection right there. You have the uh, – I'm blanking on what exact number overall. Was it 12 it was. or 13? I think it was right around there. Yeah. And you you instead of taking Donovan Mitchell, who was there, and, you know, there you could have some positional overlap there with him and Murray, et cetera. And, and who Harris knows if that would have worked the out. Time, right. Exactly. But they trade that pick for Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles, which just – 
it's tough. It's really tough going back and looking on things. You know, and when... especially because they ended up signing Millsap in free agency that year, uh, making Lyles, you know, almost immediately obsolete because they had a better power forward to play next to Jokic. And that was a tough one. And Lyles was good for them that first year. I mean, he had his moments. He fit in there, but that's that's a very tough one. Very tough. Uh, and the next year, as you said, MPJ at 14. I always think about the Clippers and what they did in this draft, and it's I, I would it would just traumatize me if I was a Clippers fan. Like your your team is a title contender, that's wonderful, but you could have had Shea and Michael Porter Jr. It's just, and you would have one of them right now, most likely after the Paul George trade too. So it, that's just a real, real tough one for the Clips, but. You know, Michael Porter Jr. just signs a $207 million, not all of it's guaranteed, but a lot of it is, a uh, million-dollar contract extension, and looks good. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a pretty good player for years to come. Not perfect, but uh, just a genius scorer and can hit tough shots, and we've talked about him and his flaws and his strengths over and over again. But that's obviously a risky pick and a, and a, it's panned out for them in huge ways. Uh, in 2019, then they trade their first for Jeremy Grant. So that's just good value um, allocation, I guess, because Jeremy Grant was, was big for them and they could have won the title that year in the bubble. So, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that we both ended up on Connolly Cause you've talked a lot about Tim Connolly's draft record. Um, glowingly and i just wanted to shout it chat it out and appreciate it yeah because, i mean yeah you like you run the gamut there from it just kind of it shows how difficult drafting is and even if you get a Jokic and you get an mpj and you get a murray like you could have also had i know i i understand right. like it doesn't work out that way but donovan mitchell rudy gobert right. etc uh it's just it's it's a fascinating whole way to build a basketball it's always going to be imperfect every team is going to have every single team has a massive whiff every single team has a massive whiff no team gets it right every time and i think that's why it's also important to point out that it really is not just drafting it's what's your entire player development system like are you finding players who are undrafted are you finding guys uh in the g league are you able to bring along the players you draft? Are you just banking on their talent or are you able to develop them, et cetera? So, you know, there's so much that goes into it. It's a great question, but I also think it's important to point out, like, like drafting is really just only one part of it. So much of it is also just what do you do once you have the guy? Can you, you know, highlight their skills, et cetera? I don't know if Duncan Robinson turns into the player he is unless he has Spo, who seems to have, you know, kind of that special connection with him. And that's not to say other coaches wouldn't have recognized it, et cetera. It just really takes like a perfect environment uh, for so many of these situations to blossom. So it really is. Yeah. It's crazy. Every single team has a crazy whiff. Every single team has a, what were you thinking with like that? Oh, should have been a no brainer, but just that's how inexact the draft is. Yeah. And yeah, context is everything. Like, I firmly believe in my gut that Bam Adebayo would not have developed into an all-star if he didn't go to the heat and they didn't put the ball in his hands and they didn't let him run fast breaks and 
operate from the elbows and average four and a half assists a game or whatever and play through his mistakes, most importantly, which he's spoken about. So And even Bam Adebayo had to sit behind Hassan Whiteside for a year, so Yeah. And yeah. that speaks to like just the political nature yeah. of uh you know, how much money a guy's making. The Nuggets could have chosen Nurkic because yeah. they drafted him higher like that's so it's it's all very fascinating and fun to discuss but rohan i think that brings us to the end of today's already this one just just kind of flew by huh it did i it's all it's all credit to the open floor globe so keep the emails coming open floor mail gmail.com it's open floor mail gmail.com uh you guys are all wonderful we are so excited for the nba season to actually begin with basketball uh, next week the preseason is over thank you lord and um this has just been just one of the worst off seasons i can remember man oh my god i'm so tired of talking about local ordinance vaccination statuses players not reporting dragged out trade scenarios i'm just so ready to see them on the court what's actually going to happen I'm I'm chuffed, man. I'm chuffed. On that note, Tuesday is opening night. We're very excited. Until then, everybody, please stay safe. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.